Father, Son, Spirit, come now. Illuminate the words of scripture for us. Light us up in your spirit, we pray, as we learn together. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. As for me, I shall always have hope. I will praise you more and more. Those words that Elsie read for us. That's a big claim, isn't it? <laughs> the psalmist, whoever wrote this psalm, had resolved to do that. I will always have hope. I will praise you more and more. I don't know about you, I've given up making New Year's resolutions. And maybe if you made them, perhaps they've long gone already. It's February after all. <laughs> I've never made a resolution like this. Is it a false hope? How on earth can you keep this kind of hope and promise, I should say? What's the basis of this hope? that the psalmist is talking about. Is this confidence that we heard in the psalm that Barry and Elsie read, is that realistic, really? That expectation? As we get older, and that's my shock news, everyone, we're all aging, You might be surprised to hear that being said. So as we look together and think together about ageing and hope and a bit about Anna Chaplancy, I'll just invite you, and it will be both a challenge but also, I hope, an encouragement to take a fresh look at ageing with me. Because our aim whatever age we are, is to live our whole life in confidence. Anyone who's done Latin? Con fide, with faith. Confidence. Do you live in confidence? Now there are some great examples of people who live in confidence. As I look across you lovely folk today, I can see people who live in confidence. They live with faith. And there are all sorts of ages. Julia Merck was here earlier. She has always inspired me. What an extraordinary young person she is. As are all the Merck's, Sophia, I should say. My own Isabel is teaching me a lot about faith. Fiona, you were inspiring yesterday and we are excited to journey with you this year and onwards. And I think of folk who have already gone ahead of us. Our lovely Wolfgang, surely a man who lived in confidence right up to the end of his days. Our dear Anne, 
Pat and many others. We're also going to look at Simeon and Anna because they're here in scripture for a reason. Everything's put in for a reason. We're going to look at them as great role models of aging well. And what we need most as we age, we're going to think about that too. I think it's important for all of us to learn about this, and I'll say why in a little bit. The next one, Tom, thank you. So we heard Debbie read that lovely passage from Luke, and Luke is really hammering home a point here. He's talking about all generations being present in the temple. He's got male and female leadership there. You have people of high status. Simeon is a Levite. And people of low status. Anna was from the tribe of Asher, who were a bit, (laughs) apparently, (laughs) nobody to write home about. Joseph and Mary, so poor, they brought pigeons for their sacrifice. But all of them are there And we hear Simeon say as well that Jesus is here as a light to the Gentiles, that's all of us, and to the revelation, so the the revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of the Jewish people. What an amazing statement. In other words, Luke's hammering it home. Jesus is good news for everybody. Have you got it? (laughs) (laughs) I'd love to have met Simeon and Anna. I bet we'd all have passed them in the street. They might have been quite frail. They were certainly older, older people. But my goodness, these were godly, faithful servants. And They let God use them and they used what God had put within them. They were waiting, waiting, waiting. How many hundreds of babies came through the temple doors? But Simeon knew. And of course, in the middle of this beautiful picture of these poor, devout parents, Joseph and Mary, these faithful older servants, here's this baby. The light for all people. But interestingly, we are halfway to Easter. (laughs) We are about to enter Lent in a few weeks' time. This is a baby born to die, and we know that, but Simeon knew it too. How does this extraordinary moment speak to us now at this time and place? What does it mean for us? As we look back to Christmas and that birth, but we're also looking forward. Thanks, Tom. Well... I've got good news and bad news. (laughs) Gosh, bad news. There are lots of reasons right now, aren't there, to feel very anxious. And I'm not going to go into details. We all know 
how, what life is like right now. It's hard to feel hopeful. It's quite easy to feel hopeless and anxious. But we do have reason for hope, and we're coming to that in a bit. Here's another good news, bad news. Our ageing of our society in the West. There are more of us now in the UK over the age of 60 than there are under the age of 18 for the first time ever. We used to be like that. Loads of people under 25. You'd be very unusual if you'd met someone who'd reached 100 years old and got the telegram from the Queen. It's no longer a pyramid. We've gone like that. In the next 20 years, there will be 3 million of us age 85 plus. That's a lot of people in later life, the fourth age, we might call it. And you might think, oh gosh, that's not great, is it? You know, thinking about all the needs that very older, much older people need, have and, you know, oh, what are we going to do? But actually, that is a good news story. That is a good news story about health, that we are living longer, and there are just loads more of us doing it. That's good news. And it's good news for another reason, for the church, which I'll come back to. I'm going to say that the older generations we have amongst us now, Barry's sitting right in front of me, Elsie and others here today, you are pioneers. You might not feel like it, but you are, because there's not been that many generations before you who have lived into that fourth age. We haven't been here before, friends. It's unusual. And the maps we have, our life maps, if you like, actually are out of date. <laughs> we don't know how to do this socially. We're not very good at it. And I'm going to suggest, actually, the church's life map for older people is out of date as well. We have not treated our older members well in the wider church. Who are we when we're old? Who are we? <laughs> How do we feel about aging? I'm gonna suggest that death and dying and later life, that fourth age of life, is actually probably the last taboo, the last thing we aren't prepared to really talk about that much. It's like we make plans up to retirement while we're still active and physically able and we're enjoying it, and then we don't quite know what to do next. <laughs> we can be feeling very fearful in our later life. There are huge transitions going on in later life. There might be a lot of uncertainty and change that we have to face, possibly by ourselves. Interesting. Next one, Tom. Well, you know, what we think about ageing and how we feel about it 
is definitely going to be shaped by this, by what you have seen and heard and inherited about ageing. What are your inherited stories of ageing? How has your family dealt with it? What have you seen in friends and neighbours? Have they aged well or not? Who in their later years has influenced you? This will definitely shape how we feel about our own ageing journey. Is it with confidence? With faith? Next one, Tom. Thank you. What do people need most as they age? Well, I've put a few things up there. I think as we get older, we want to still have recognition, a sense of self-worth, that people see us <laughs> and understand us, that we have supportive relationships. And this is a really important one. We can still contribute. This is really important, but do you know what? Those are all human needs. Doesn't matter how old you are, they probably fit you, whatever your age today. And here's another hot news item. These don't stop when you retire. <laughs> they don't, why should they? You're still a, a person with needs, aren't they, aren't you? You want to be able to contribute to mean something because you still have a lot to offer. And I want to say that particularly in church, you have much to offer. Huge potential that we want to think about. And that's why we called it a celebration of ageing today. That we're not fearful of ageing because we're all doing it, friends. And we want to celebrate all ages in our midst. Now, there might be some of you sitting here, I can see Sarah's right in front of me, thinking, Debbie, six, seven years ago, you were saying this very thing about children and families, and I was. I was in my previous role. I talked about what children contribute to us as full spiritual beings. I'm going to suggest, friends, that we are missing a trick if we don't think the same is true of the older people in our midst. Of course there are needs as we get older, just as children have needs that need to be met. But I want to suggest that older people also, like the children in our midst, have a huge amount to bring to our life together. We call it intergenerational life. Together. <laughs> Not doing little things separately. Together. Here's what older people bring. Wisdom. I'm not talking airy-fairy stuff. <laughs> Gritty, hard-fought-for wisdom from life. Life experience. Strength. If you are here in your 80s, you're strong in every way. Resilience, 
humour. This is such a key time of life, friends. Why don't we think about it and talk about it? It's key. Older people are often going through huge transitions, bereavement, maybe having to give up their homes and live somewhere else with more care. We think of our younger people, our teenagers, going through life transitions. They sure are, but I can tell you, older people are too. My goodness. We all want to finish well, don't we? <laughs> How are we supporting people to do that? This is what's at the heart of Anna Chaplincy. It's a fertile, special time, your later years, to do business with God. Physical and mental capacity might be changing. It is usually in decline, but not always. But I tell you what, the spirit is in much greater focus. It's a crucial time of growth in our later years. You're free from much of what occupies us in other life seasons. It's about you and God and finishing well. And I want to say this includes those of us who are living with forms of dementia. And I'd be very happy to talk with you about that at some time. And I'm sure Katrina can contribute also and Debbie to that conversation. Somebody said to my boss, Debbie Thrower, a few weeks ago, if I ever get diagnosed with dementia, shoot me now. I mean, friends, we're not trying to be Pollyanna-ish about ageing. We know, we do understand how hard things can be. I have journeyed with that, with dementia, and many of you have here. But my goodness, we have missed an opportunity of intimacy with God if we take that approach. Sometimes we think of old age as an ambiguous gift. We treat the gift of ageing as a gift we don't want. There are some friends who are not with us today who have not had the privilege of ageing. Growing old is like being increasingly penalised for a crime you haven't committed. Well, you might feel like your body is letting you down, but actually I want to suggest society is letting us down. If we carry on with these negative images of ageing, even the jokes we tell, perhaps, the language we use. We never talk about the elderly in Anna Chaplincy. That's a label, isn't it? <laughs> Nobody likes a label. How do we cultivate hopefulness? How do we live in confidence, in faith? got another quote for you here from Michael Main, a priest and writer. Faith is not absolute certainty, but a readiness to explore the mystery. It is not a method of finding all the answers, but of living with the questions like hope. It is an attitude of mind, an orientation of the spirit. 
Which way are you pointing? <laughs> Hope is not in ourselves. It's more like a plant to be nurtured throughout our life. And you can start today orienting yourself back towards your confidence in God. Of course, it's partly to do with temperament and character. We've come across people who are much more hopeful than others. But actually, it's mainly about who your hope is in, not what you're like or what your life has been like. So I'm going to close with this challenge. Are you in good health? Now, as we get older, and my age group, we've started it already. <laughs> Start listing all the things that have happened to you. <laughs> what operation you're having next and all that. When we talk about good health, we note this. In the Bible, John Swinton says, there is no word for health which means absence of illness. There is no word in the Bible that means absence of illness. When the Bible talks about health, it's talking about wholeness, about shalom, righteousness, holiness, peace, hope. To be healthy, in other words, is to be in right relationship with God. You can be a prime athlete and be very unhealthy. You can be on your deathbed and be a healthy person because you are in right relationship with God. This is my prayer for myself and for you. Anna Chaplaincy is a ministry of accompaniment. It is about meeting needs, as Debbie and uh, Dot expressed, but it's actually also about celebrating health, about spiritual health, and to learn how to live in confidence. I've brought this seed head with me. This is our symbol. Because when you look at that, you think, that's a bit had it, hasn't it? <laughs> Looks a bit dead and useless. But of course, the seeds it produces are life-giving. The gift of years. Aging doesn't always feel like a gift. I know that. But I believe it is. And it's a gift particularly to the church and the wider community. We need all ages in our church to be a healthy body. So let's honour, friends, our own ageing process. Let's honour the older people in our midst and receive from them, as well as seeing what they need in support. Let's receive their gift to us. Amen.